Hi there, and welcome to Emmanuel. This is our conversations podcast where we spend a bit of time talking about the type of people that we want to become in our communities and in our homes. We hope that this encourages you to live a little bit more like Jesus taught us. God bless you. everybody and welcome back to our conversations podcast my name is micah and i'm here with Corey today hi everyone and we are having our third conversation about our values document so just to recap for those who haven't tracked with us up to this point emmanuel has a couple of guiding documents of course scriptures at the core of everything we do but then we also have our ministry plan and we have our visions document or values document sorry And in our values document, we talk about the type of people that we want to be and become and what kind of things we want to hold core to the very uh, center of our organization and uh, as we live out what it means to be the family of God in this place. And so today we want to talk a little bit about one from a section of values document that talks about our relationship with God. And we call it seeking God's kingdom or seeking his kingship. And so, Corey, that's a Maybe if you attended seminary and a couple of theology debates, you might have a sense of what that is. But when we say it here, what, what do we mean by it? Well, I'm not sure that's the case because a lot of people don't know what they mean when they talk about the kingdom of God. But... You know, now that you say that, I'm pretty sure I did know less when I left seminary than when I arrived. <laughs> but for me, the first thing I would tell people that are listening is take a concordance or take a look online at one of the Bible search Uh, tools that you have and do a search of the kingdom of God. Now you'll find a number in the Old Testament that speak about kingdom, the kingdom of Joshua, not Joshua, but the kingdom of uh, Solomon and David. But if you look in the New Testament and take a look at the gospels where Jesus was speaking, how often he spoke about the kingdom of God. Mm. Many of his parables describe what the kingdom of God is like. And in that fact, that's how they start. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, or the kingdom of God is like uh, leaven that works its way through the loaf. It's like a, a widow who lost, who had 10 coins and lost one, and didn't she turn the house inside and out until she found it. So that's the first yeah. thing. Be convinced that Jesus' message and the theme of Jesus' teaching often was, if not always, was about explaining what the kingdom of God is like. So therefore, it's really important. What it means to be a follower or a disciple of Jesus means that you follow or seek after God's kingdom. That's why we have it so high, mm. right under worship God only, which is like the first commandment. And, and it's when someone asked Jesus, what was the most important thing? You know, love the Lord your God, worship him only. We have it right underneath that because it's so important. Jesus taught that what it meant to be a disciple was to follow the kingdom of God, to see the kingdom of God enlarge outside of them and inside of them. So for me... The line that I would use to describe what the kingdom of God is like is this. What this world and my life would be like if Jesus were king of it. Another way of putting it would be this. I think uh, I think Dallas Willard put it this way. What, How Jesus would live my life if he were me. Mm. But the way I put it again is what this world would be like, because the kingdom has to do with this world and the, what God wants to see happen in it but also my own life and what my life would be like if Jesus were the king of it. Now, we don't understand too often what it means to be a king or to have a king, but I think it's still a meaningful biblical word. It's that God always intended 
to be our king, going right back from the Old Testament to the very end of time to the book of Revelation. So that's, to me, what the kingdom of God is all about. In fact, the, uh, the second coming of Christ is often described as, you know, the fulfillment of the kingdom. We talk about it as, you know, Jesus gaining full dominion. And it, as you say, it's a theme that runs throughout Scripture. Whoa, Micah, you're, you're, you're getting into really yeah, yeah, yeah. territory <laughs> that could be very uh, uh, you know, uh, controversial for some people, right? Oh, well, yeah. But the whole idea behind it is everything that we do is, if we claim to be followers of Jesus, everything that we do is about seeing Jesus lifted higher and his kingdom made more real in our life. And that's what we want to make this church about, Emmanuel mm. Baptist Church, to be a place that mirrors God's kingdom as many ways as possible. Absolutely. Well, in the document itself, which is online, and I'll try and post a, another link to it in this podcast description, but in the document itself, it it describes it this way. Christians must seek above everything else the kingdom of God, and it refers to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We are a countercultural community patterned after Jesus, not patterned on the world around us. We refuse to copy the world's ways, whether it be ways of power, definitions of success, or methods incompatible with the kingdom. We will be salt and light, uh, or sorry, we will be the salt and of the earth and the light of the world, which is a reference in Matthew chapter 5. Corey, those, those three phrases, uh, whether it be ways of power, definitions of success, or methods that are incompatible with the kingdom, what does that look like practically? So let me pick one of them now, for instance. Let's, let's talk about ways of power. Mm. So an example for our church would be, and, and many of you would realize what I'm talking about when I say that the church has often been a power broker. That's going way back to the Crusades and the Inquisition and in times when the church has been partnered with government. But it manifests itself in much more subtle ways today. And I like the way in one of our recent deacons meetings it was talked about, and I think this had to do with ways of power. And it was this, let's be known what we stand for, not what we stand against. Now, I understand that there are some times that, that we have to be clear, draw a line in the sand, but let's much more be known for what we stand for than against. If I was to refine that, I might even say, let's be known what we stand for rather than who we stand against. Because so often in church history, we'll pick a person or a people group or a demographic that we don't like for some reason or another and kind of ostracize them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that kind of leaves room to say, you know, we stand for justice and we're, we're still able to call out things that are unfair or incorrect or unjust uh, in our community. I know that we've very seldom done it and we should be very very hesitant in calling out a justice issue because very seldom do we have a, a full understanding of it but when people are being abused i think and check me if i'm incorrect here that it would be our heartbeat that if christ would be against that we want to be against that mm -hmm. and jesus did speak about up uh, about people and people groups and systems mm. that were hurting other people but how I've often seen the ways of power manifest itself in the church would be when we disagree with a group of people, Yeah. just by the definition of them as a people group, 
when we disagree with other people's ways. The Jesus way isn't issuing pronouncements and public edicts against them, but it's loving them. In the same way that Jesus called us to love our enemies, or at least to say, don't have enemies. Love people. And so that is turning away from ways of power to the ways of love, which Jesus uh, mentioned. Great example of that in the New Testament. Christ was walking along and came across a tax collector. Um, They're actually referred to a couple of times in the New Testament, and tax collectors were hated in ancient Jerusalem because they they betray their country, they work with Rome. Uh, He calls one to be one of his disciples. And at another point, there's one uh, kind of up in a tree so he can see what's going on, and he insists on going to his place that night for uh, to to kind of be friends with him. He, he loves on people that the rest of society, the religious groups, were saying you really shouldn't have anything to do with them. Mm. The ways of power are judging people, mm. but the way of Jesus is to love them and to welcome them yep. into God's kingdom, welcome them to change and transformation. Yep. Uh, there's also uh, definitions of success. The way the world defines success, well, how do they define success? Uh, often in terms of financial success or whatever it is, the recipe that makes for a feel-good story. Or a feasibility study. Right. Yeah. So our our definitions of success are entirely stories about people's lives being transformed. That's what matters in the kingdom of God. Yeah. I'm not sure how specific we want to get here. I know that uh, b- before either of us arrived here at Emmanuel, the fellowship took upon itself to make sure that a young man got a, a surgery that was only available in another country and and just radically transformed his life. Well, that, mm. that didn't make any sense uh, from a business perspective, but it made every lick of sense from a kingdom perspective. Yeah, and I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. here, right? and the fellowship was willing to take it on itself to find a mortgage or a loan. Mm. By God's grace, he was faithful, and they didn't have to do that. But and the, the young man's doing fantastic, and that was again that had nothing to do with us. That was just the kingdom of God being worked out here. And that's not to say that we shouldn't act wisely, but at the same time, one of the principles of God's kingdom is having faith that God will provide, and that's what happened in that context. Right? We had belief that God would provide for our needs, yeah. and He was asking us to do it, and He would provide. Yeah. And as you say, I mean, we still need to be smart about how we spend our time and our energy, but there are times that God just calls us to go beyond. And then another another part of being countercultural here is to not have methods that are incompatible with the kingdom. In other words, the way we do things, the way we do business, the way that we act as a body is a way that's the Jesus way and not the way the world would expect us to go. So... What would be some examples of that? Well, let me offer you just a couple that have to do probably with the inner workings of our of our church more than anything else. So in most organizations like ours, we would have a board. And we yeah. do have a board. We have it's called the leadership team. And they help us make decisions. They 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 farm out decisions to other groups. They empower other groups to make decisions and to uh, have programs, programs and, and things ministries like that. Yeah. And, whatnot, and and they kind of provide overall sight to make sure that we're all staying on point. Right. Now, that would be pretty similar to the way the world would operate. But in our system, we have a special group of people called the deacons, and they're 
charged with spiritual leadership of the overall body. And they actually stand beside the leadership team and are a part of the leadership team, but to give spiritual accountability, to actually be that monitoring body among us to say, are we doing it the Jesus way or are we doing it the world's way, the business way? Yeah. And that's, I think what we should really be clear here is that we're not saying that everything another group of people would do is wrong. We're saying that uh, at, we want to continue to redeem all things, right? Mm. Uh, another group has a, a leadership team. Well, that doesn't mean our leadership team's evil. It just means that we also want to take it to the next step. Our leadership team, I believe, is quite godly, yes. especially the people on it. They love Jesus. But we also have the, the deacons that kind of, it's really interesting trying to put them on an org chart. They're sort of there and sort of not. That I think we use the term, they, it's almost like they do a spiritual audit every once in a while to make sure that we're keeping Christ at the center. Hmm. Uh, another example would be uh, in most churches or in, in the world, what would you call the people that work for you? They're called employees and they are employees, right? They have job descriptions and, and they work for you. Well, we do have people that are paid uh, full-time uh, workers in the church, but the difference is we call them pastors why? Well, they're called by the church and their church provides for their needs, but they're truly called by God. And I think that that's different than the way of the world. I mean, you if you if, probably don't have a CEO who claims divine providence in his uh, leadership. Yeah. Or if you were the owner of a business and one day, you know, one of your workers came to you, maybe you're the leader of a construction site and one of your lead carpenters comes to you and says, you know, I don't think that you're really my boss, but I think God is my boss. And so I'm going to do what he wants me to do. And I hope that it lines up with what you want me to do, earthly boss. But no, God's my boss. I think that a pink slip would be really close. That could be an awkward conversation. <laughs> but here, they they bless us by taking care of our needs so that we can do God's work. And so again, yeah. this is not the way of the world. This is... This is God's way. This is the Jesus way, where we take care of our full-time workers' needs and we keep them account. They keep us accountable, which is great. But really, we're pastors who are called by God to do what we do. So those are a couple of examples. Absolutely. Um, there are other examples of, of stories. I think of how the church is called to be countercultural, which this really is all about. Seeking God's kingdom is being about countercultural. Do you have a favorite story of... You know, I think, well, we could talk about some of the baptisms recently, maybe mm -hmm. in a, a moment or two, but years ago, we were, uh, at this point, we were co-hosts of a shelter for people who didn't have anywhere else to sleep. It kind of rotated around, and uh, several expensive pieces of equipment <laughs> went missing. And we were pretty sure we knew who did it, but we also knew that they had no means or recourse to uh, return them. And the desire to see that person come into restoration uh, rather than get lost in a criminal proceeding. Uh, some people still call us crazy for that one. But I kind of like what it said about us, that the equipment was less important, we decided, than the person. Mm. Uh, and I just... <laughs> 